Uh, we do have one slide before I start my message on uh, the Friendsgiving that happened this week. And I just want to thank everybody for uh, being a part of that. And I think we have one up there with photos and stuff. No? Pull Friendsgivings. We used to do it in the church. Well, originally we did it in a community center, and then we brought it to the church, and then it just outgrew here. It was too crowded, so we actually had it at a YMCA, a Friendsgiving, and then we also had one uh, over at an apartment complex in Pflugerville, and people turned out, and it was a huge blessing. And so thank you guys for helping put that on and give people a place to come and uh, just experience community. You know, some people don't have that. You know, we don't want to take that for granted. So uh, the ability to take that out to the community was pretty awesome. So I know it took a lot of work and a lot of effort. Uh, let's bow our heads and pray, and we're going to jump into this word today. Uh, we're going to f- uh, be focusing on the names of God and what they mean and just giving him thanks for that. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to uh, get your spirit on this, Lord, to hear your heart, and Lord, that this would not just be an exercise in head knowledge, but Lord, it'd be really an exercise in, Lord, heart connection with you and revelation of your goodness. I thank you for it in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You guys will have a sheet like this somewhere by you and uh, a pen. If not, look at the row in front of you or somewhere near you because this is going to be very interactive today uh, as far as you're going to actually have some time to kind of think and work on things as we go uh, because the idea is to really let God speak to us through this. We don't always do it this way, but today we're doing service this way uh, so that you can actually just take pauses and kind of engage with who the Lord is. And so you hear this music faintly in the background. How peaceful and meditative is that? Isn't that just wonderful? Just hear it. Oh, I need to have someone massage my my feet right now. My wife says, no, that's not going to happen. Okay, maybe later. Still not going to happen. Okay, let's just move on then. Let's move on. we're going to go through this, and this is thank you, God. We're going to give thanks, and we're going to go through and reflect. And so what you do with this sheet is as we go through each of these names, there's a place underneath where it just says a reflection and a prayer. And I'm going to have pauses in between these names where it's an opportunity for you just to sit and pause for a second and just think on that. Think on what that means to you that this is part of who God is because that's what this is all about. This is not about me. This is not about the pastor. This is not about the church. We're not trying to make the beat famous. We're not trying to make me famous. We're not trying to make you famous. This is about connecting people to the creator of heaven and earth and having a connection with him. And so we're going to work through these. And the first one is Adonai. And I put pronunciations on there, uh, which we will probably still butcher, but at least you have a shot at some of these. Uh, But these are words that are used in the Bible to describe God. And this one means that the Lord is my great Lord, that the Lord is my great Lord. And this is used in Psalms chapter 8. And here's the passage, and there's some other verses on there that it's used at. But as I read this, just think on what this means for you. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the mouths of children and infants, you have ordained praise on account of your adversaries to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I behold your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? In the scheme of just the majesty and the awesomeness of God, David's saying, why do you even look at us? Why do you think about us? We're like a speck upon a speck. My daughter gave this to me this morning for breakfast. These are gummies. And there's a donut 
and there's a little piece of pie and there's a, a little shake. And she gave them to me. And she also gave me a piece of cake that had gummy frosting on the top. But she ate the gummy frosting off and gave me the gummy cake because she only eats frosting. And she gave it to me and she said, take this for breakfast. I said, okay. And she goes, you can take it to church? I said, yeah. She said, okay, I'm going to check on it. <laughs> so she comes to church and wants to know where's my breakfast. But here it is. This has no value to me, really. It's gummies. This doesn't sustain me. This doesn't build me up. This doesn't add any value to my life. Outside of the fact that the daughter that I love gave it to me. That's what this verse is talking about. There is nothing that we can give God that adds value to him. Because he is the one that made everything. The only thing that adds value to it when we give it to him is the fact that it's coming from us, his children, who he loves. It's a relational aspect, and that's what David's talking about. That is why God is mindful. He's mindful because he loves and he cares for us. So take a moment, reflect on that, right, for a second, and we'll go into the next one. The next one is Elohim, the all-powerful one and creator. And this is used in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Some of you may be living in darkness, emotionally, mentally, relationally, and yet out of nothing, God can create light. Without, maybe you don't know how to move forward, and yet God alone can bring light. In Genesis and in Psalms, God's referred to as the God who sees. The Bible says that he is El Roy. He is a God who sees. This was used by Hagar who was thrown out, a slave woman, a servant woman thrown out into the desert to run with her child and she's dying and she's by a bush and she's dehydrated and worn and her baby's going to die and they're going to die and she's there and the Lord visits her, the angel of the Lord comes and she looks up and she says, you are the God who sees. Meaning she, that that was the God who saw her, where she was at, the struggle she was in, the challenge. In Psalms, David says, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend the heavens, you are there. 
if I make my bed in Sheol, which would be the opposite. He says, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle by the farthest sea, even where you're you. But the night shines like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And he is the God who sees me. Wherever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, he is the God who sees. The Bible says he is the El Shaddai. He's the all-sufficient one. All-sufficient. The God of the mountains. Maybe you have mountains in your life that you're facing or things that are in front of you. You're not sure how to get over those. You don't want to die halfway up. and You don't want to die rolling down. But you're in the face of a challenge, you're in the face of things that are bigger than you, that he is the all-sufficient one. He is the God Almighty. Psalms 90 verse 2 refers to this. It says, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You are El Shaddai. as we go through these, as you, as you do your reflection, as you write that down, you think about it, take a second just to thank God for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that this is who you are. Thank you that this is representative of your heart towards me, of your nature, that I can depend on this, Lord, that you are faithful. He is Emmanuel. This is used in Isaiah chapter 7. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. God with us. Sometimes we wonder, God, where are you? Because he's not taking us out of a situation. But the answer is that he's in the situation. He's there. He's with you in your struggle. He's with you in your suffering. He's with you in your victories. He's with you. Moses talked about this in the Bible. He said he didn't want to go forward unless the Lord was with him. And he is with you. He's a God who comes and he is not just above watching us and looking down. As some believe God wound up the world like a clock, put everything in motion, and then just set it out to run and then he left. But he's the God who is with us. Some of you grew up and you latchkey kids your parents just left the key gave you a key come home from school and you just get in and get out you don't really ever see them some of you are in relationships marriages or other things where you're with someone but you're really not with anybody 
because they're not there. And yet he is the God who is with you. Not just present externally, but that means engaged. He's engaged, he knows, he cares, he's working with you. In Exodus, Moses is talking with God and he says, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of the fathers has sent me to you. He's supposed to deliver them out of their bondage and out of Egypt. And he says, what if they ask me who sent me? And he said, and they say, what is his name and what should I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites, that I am has sent you. This is Jehovah, the I am. But I need that I am. I need fulfillment. I need purpose. I need provision. I need help, I need encouragement, I need faith, I need hope, I need restoration, I need forgiveness, I need deliverance, I need healing, I need, I am, I am. Whatever you would go to God with, the answer already is I am. And in him all things are held together because he is the all-sufficient. He is a Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Psalms 103, David says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, my inmost being, praise his holy name, who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the God who heals. David speaking in Psalms 103 to his inmost being. Not just his physical body, but to his inmost being. Sometimes we need healing that isn't about our limbs. Maybe we walk fine, but there's other things that need healed. Other things that we've been through. Other traumas, other abuses, other disappointments, other addictions, other struggles. And yet he said, I am the God who heals. I'm the God who restores and forgives Jeremiah talks about the God who is Jehovah and this is a hard one Sidkenu, something like that. That he is the Lord, our righteousness. Righteousness is having right standing before God. Righteousness is, is being okay. It's not having guilt and shame. It's not having a regret or feeling inadequate and unwanted because you failed. And we struggle at times to be good enough to make it, to get there. And then find out, well, we messed it up again. 
And yet he is the Lord, our righteousness. That our righteousness depends upon him, upon his work. He said, in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which he shall be called, the Lord, our righteousness. Leviticus 20, verse 8, he says, Keep my statutes and do them, for I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Lord who sanctifies you. Jehovah Mekadashim. That means sanctification. If you don't know what that means, sanctification, righteousness is our right standing before God. Sanctification is to be set apart to be set aside. So we have at our house, we have dishes that are in the kitchen. And those are for me and Carrie and the kids and the family. And if you come over, we have dishes that are in the laundry room. And those are for Kai, our dog. Because those are set aside for us. And those are set aside for Kai, for his use. For the Lord to sanctify you means that he has set you aside for his use. Set you aside for relationship. Set you aside for connection. Set you aside for a purpose. He sanctified you. He's made you holy. He set you apart. Said these are mine. If you have anything valuable in your life that you set aside, how do you care for it? The dishes in our cupboard are far more cared for than the dishes in our laundry room. So in the Lord's eyes, he has set you aside for his use. How do you think he wants to care for you? Exodus 17, 15. He says, Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. He's talking about a banner that you, you put up and declare your allegiance and your victory and your strength, and you come in under the banner of the authority that you have. So the Lord is our banner. The Lord fights for us. If you have the creator of heaven and earth, of all the universe, who's fighting for you, who is your banner, who covers you when the enemy comes, when you're moving forward in your life, when accusation comes, when discouragement comes, when challenges mount up against you and people betray you or turn their back or circumstances are there and there's a challenge and things are happening and you have the Lord of the universe, the one who made everything is fighting for you. What do you have to fear? What do you have to worry about or to be anxious about or to be afraid? In Ezekiel, it says that he's Jehovah Shammah. 
says the circumference of the city will be 18,000 cubit. It's describing a, a prophetic city that's coming in the future that God would build. And it says the name of the city from that time would be the Lord is there. The Lord is there. Where are you, Lord? I'm there. I'm there building a place for us to be, building a place for us to relate. I'm building a place for us to connect. One thing that's different about the Lord being there in a city versus the Lord being there and near to you is that a city is communal. We know that he's near. We know that he sees us. That's in other names. But this is a name about being there within a city, within a place where there's interaction and there's relationship and there's people. The Lord is in your relationships, that the Lord is in your community, that the Lord is in the connections and and the friendships and the things that he wants to foster with you and relationship with those that he puts in your life. That you can have a safe place for relationship, a safe place for connection, a safe place for friendship. Jehovah Jireh, Genesis 22, verses 13 to 14. It says, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. Now the situation here is that Abraham had promised that someday he would have a child and that he would have many children and, and have, be the father of many nations. He'd have his whole heritage. He was old and it hadn't happened. His time was passing for God's call. God's time was passing for what he was promised. He'd missed it. God had let him down or he had let God down. Something happened, but along the way it was missed. But finally, God gave him the child and after he gave him the child, he asked him to give it up. And he asked him to give his child up. Maybe God's had something in your life that he's spoken over you or put in your heart or promised you and you felt like, oh, and then you got there and then he's all of a sudden he says, oh, you're actually gonna have to give that up. And you're in a place of struggle. Well, this is what was happening. But he was faithful and he obeyed and he went up the mountain to offer his son to the Lord, which is a horrifying concept. And he goes up, and as he gets there, the Lord provides a way out. It was never about giving his son. It was about seeing if his heart was for the Lord or just for the promise, just for the benefit or if it was for the relationship. And so he provided a ram. It says he went over and he took the ram, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And today, to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Maybe you're at a place in your life where you don't know how to work something out. You don't know how to solve it. You don't know how to fix it. You don't know how to bring it together. And maybe you don't need to. Maybe you just need to go up the mountain of the Lord and just be with the Lord. Just wait on the Lord. Just obey the things he's telling you. Just step forward in what he's calling you to do and trust that he will provide. Psalms 23 says that he is Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord 
Lord is my shepherd. We're not sheep herders here, so Psalms 23 explains a shepherd, the heart of a shepherd. And maybe this has been your experience with the Lord. Maybe this has been your experience in church. Maybe it hasn't. Maybe you've had a completely different experience. Maybe you've had an experience that feels more like the Lord is just a taskmaster, just a judge. The church is just a manipulator. The church is just a judge. The church is just a master. The church, maybe you've had these experiences, but this is the heart of God. That the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing, David said. The Lord wants to provide for you. What does it mean to lack nothing? Financially, but safety, security, care, to lack nothing. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sheep don't lie down until they're full. They only lie down once they're full. So built into God wanting to cause you to lie down is that God wants to fill you. If you have an emptiness in your heart, an emptiness in your mind, you have a, a, a space in there that hasn't been filled and the, the world is often trying to fill those things for us and leaving us empty. If the Lord gives us rest, the world wants us to hustle and grind all the time. But the Lord wants to give us rest and fill us not grind us out and leave us empty. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Your soul feel worn out, tired, dehydrated, agitated. The Lord wants to refresh your soul. He wants to fill it back up. He wants to bring it to life again. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I think it's important there that he guides us on the right path, and yet still, even though he's the one guiding, even though he's the one taking us down the path, the next verse is, though I walk through the darkest valley. Sometimes being in a dark valley does not mean that God's left you. Sometimes being in a dark valley does not mean that you went the wrong way. Sometimes a dark valley is the right way. Sometimes the thing that you're going through is not a thing to be avoided. It's a thing that God's taken you through. But the promise is that we don't have to fear because he's there. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A rod and a staff are both to, to help and to pull out of ditches when you're stuck. And occasionally, is to smack you on the head. That's why it's got a hook. And it's got a nut hook. I can either help you up or I can help you down. Sometimes God wants to know which one it is that we want. And he's willing to do both for our benefit because we need it. We need both his love and we need his correction. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The promise is not that we'll have no enemies. 
the promise is that we can have peace and relationship with God even in the midst. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. This wasn't about hairstyles, thank God. This was about actually protection and about health. The sheep, they anoint the head with oil. It keeps the bugs off, keeps things that would try to get down and get into their eyes. They put oil and it keeps these things away. It keeps them off. It keeps the, the pest from coming after you because it's been covered, it's been anointed. And the Bible also uses anointing as a, with oil as a sign of just God's anointing and his presence in us. So it's both a protection, but it's also promise of his presence and his covering in our lives. Our cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all of the days of my life. Maybe you feel like there's always something following you. There is. Maybe you feel like there's always something over my shoulder. There is. It's the goodness of God. It's the love of God that's following you. Maybe you should stop. Maybe you should let it catch you. The Bible says to be still and know that I am God. Sometimes the being still and the stopping is all we need to do to let God's presence come and cover us. Sometimes reading our Bible isn't the right thing to do because we just need to stop. And be still. I read 14 chapters. Great. Did you stop? Did you listen? Did you just receive? Sometimes we don't need to pray. We just need to be still. Because God actively wants to add value and impart into our lives. And we need to give him space and room to do that. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The last one here is Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. It's not talking about peace that there's no war. It's an Old Testament Hebrew word. And they were at war all the time. So how can it be peace if it's in war? In fact, this verse in Judges 6 is Gideon is the one using this. And Gideon is about to go into battle. Literally about to go into battle against the enemy where he is vastly outnumbered. And outpowered with greater weapons. Judges 6 says, when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He's in the midst of the struggle and he's saying, I am staring at the Lord. And he's afraid, not just of his enemies, but he's afraid of the Lord. But the Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. And so Gideon built an altar to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. To this day it stands in Ophrah of the Abyssalites. In the face of his enemies, he sees the Lord, and the Lord is saying, you can overcome, and he's full of anxiety and fear, and Lord said, I bring peace. 
I bring peace. It's wholeness. It's the goodness of God. It's the covering of God. It's the blessing of God. It's not an external, outward, circumstantial peace. We try to find that all kinds of ways. I change jobs. I change marriages. I change cities. I change friends. I change activities. I change hobbies. I'm trying to find peace. Some people in greater circumstances than that have gone through abuse. There's war going on right now in Israel. There's, where's peace? But yet in the midst of any circumstance, God is saying, I am your peace. I can bring peace. I can bring peace to you. In fact, Philippians talks about a peace that surpasses understanding that guards our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. There's peace that comes from the Lord. Take just a moment to think on these. Make any added notes. We're going to do our prayer huddles today. And we're actually going to break up, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it in a couple minutes. If you're new here, uh, we don't believe that church is a, a show. We believe this is a community that God's building. Right? We connect. And we have a relationship together. The Bible says, by this, the know your mind disciples that you love one another. You can't love each other if you don't communicate, talk, and bear each other's burdens. I'm going to give you another minute to think them through, and then we're going to break into small huddles. And this is what I'd like us to do, is to look at those names and each person quickly share which name stands out to you. Do you think about those? Which name, when you look at that, you say, this is the one. This is the one that I really need right now. This is the one that, that matters. This is the one for me. They all have value. They all matter. They're all God, but this is what I need a God who sees me right now. And just share that. And then once everyone is shared, then just pray together and give God thanks that whatever the person across from you needed and needs right now, that God is there. God is for them, that God is with them. We'll give you guys just a couple of minutes here and then we'll break out into that. I'll give you guys a cue for that, but... For now, just take a minute, look at those, and think, which, which of these is it that I need right now? Which of these am I thankful for the most that God would put in my life? Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.